From Arlington, Virginia, this is Formative Tracks, the show where we sit down with DC area musicians and talk about the top five songs that made them who they are. Today, we are chatting with singer, songwriter, producer, Elijah Cruz. Welcome, Elijah. Hello, how are you? I'm doing quite well, thank you. Um, So first, there's a lot going on in the world right now, obviously, and just sort of a general unease about where our country is headed. How are you doing with all this? Yeah, I I feel like I'm doing pretty well. I've tried to stay like active and, you know, not let it get to me being inside as much as it was. I feel like the first um, month and a half was probably the most difficult as far as the quarantine and just being inside and not seeing people. But I'm doing I'm doing well right now, I guess, with how how the world's going. Um, It's definitely been weird without having shows to play and like you know, the summer looks different now than it, it did, I guess, when I was picturing it at the beginning of the year. Um, right. I think that's for everyone, and especially, like, musicians. Like, it's weird having venues closed down right now, so. Yeah, how um, how are you figuring out, how have things, like, changed for you as a musician during this period? Like, kind of, what were things like before the pandemic versus what they're like now? So it's weird for me because I moved from Knoxville, Tennessee in August um, up here to D.C. And I had left, I, I basically launched this solo project when I was moving. So I kind of had been working on it for about a year. Um, and before that, I was in a band. So I was like traveling around playing music. So I'd already taken during the move probably like a three or four month break just to like get everything settled up here from gigging because I kind of felt like everything would, you know, go back to normal as soon as I got situated in town. And it, and it was kind of on in that direction, like everything was getting set up and I had all my shows lined up for the summer and then COVID hit. So it was kind of disappointing because, you know, I mean, for any musician or performer, like it's, it's so meaningful to just be up on stage and performing and you desire that. It's almost like a a thing you I guess take for granted um at least for me like I was like oh yeah I'll like start playing shows as soon as I get situated and it felt like it would always be there because I had never experienced any type of pandemic before so I didn't expect for the whole world to shut down for for months Um, right so it changed I guess the outlook on what I'm doing so like even like it, it I feel like everything made sense I was like I'm going to release these songs and then I'll release an EP and I'll play shows and I'll be able to build up more of a fan base and work through that. Um, So now I've kind of had to stop and just readdress everything and think like, okay, what do you do in a situation where you can't play shows and you have to kind of build up your following more from different avenues and using, you know, social media more and using video content to get out so I'm still kind of figuring out that world and what that means um but it's definitely I guess changed my outlook and made me grateful for shows and the just the ability to perform in front of people so right um yeah I feel like someone else I was interviewing the other day was talking about how she had done some live stream concerts but then she did a concert I think on her porch and people a few people clapped and she remembered the sound of people clapping. Right. Because you, you know, you put all this out there to a screen and then you get nothing yeah. that you're like, all right, nothing. I'm done. 
by you know click off like yeah um good day right uh so it's important to get that audience dynamic back in the picture yeah uh so did you grow up in knoxville yeah so i grew up in pigeon forge tennessee which i don't know if anyone will know where that is so that's do you know where the great smoky mountains are like um only because of dolly parton okay so i lived like 10 minutes from dollywood which is okay. Dolly Parton's theme park. So I grew up there. And then when I started doing music, I moved up to Knoxville, which is still a smaller city. Um, but they had a really fun music scene. So that's where yeah. I played for the last, like, I guess I'd been up there for the last like five years, five or six years. And then um, just moved up to DC, like I said, last August. So I, I kind of grew up in Knoxville, but it was more growing up in Pigeon Forge, which was a tourist town more than. Okay. Anything. Right. Um, and, and what brought you to DC? You know, we, me and my wife decided, okay, like we, we've wanted to move for a while. Um, and we were really interested in like the culture up here and thought we'd give it a go. Now we didn't expect for um, everything to like kind of close down as soon as we got <laughs> up here. And I guess no one <laughs> expects that, but it, it's been fun. So we, we thought we'd give it a go and we like to live where we're not like afraid to do things and to move and to experience new things. And this was definitely a new experience. Um, <laughs> just being on, I, it's weird because we, we traveled back into Knoxville about a month and a half into the pandemic. And like, uh, we like stayed super quarantined once we were in town, but it's a completely different world than it is up here in DC and mm. DC people really take it seriously. And it's a good thing. Um, and then in Tennessee, it's definitely a little bit more um, just like people out everywhere. Like you're driving around, it's people, no mask. Um, it's intense, but um, it's kind of scary. So definitely it's been an experience being up here in D.C. Yeah, it's interesting how the pandemic exists in certain places and somehow doesn't exist in the others. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> It almost makes you think it exists everywhere. Well, yeah, it kind of does. It kind of does. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um, and do you do you grow up in a family of musicians? And what was your what was your first um, so, instrument, and how how did you get started? So I tried to. I, I guess my first instrument was probably. I think I played like electric violin for like. That was when your was, first instrument? Yeah, but it was I wasn't good at it. I just played it. Like I, I I wanted to play something cool and I think I just saw an electric violin and I was like, Dad, can I get this? And he let me get it. It wasn't like expensive. Like it was like not the best electric violin. But um it, so I played it for a little bit. Didn't really stick. Um I always wanted to play music prior from when I was like I don't know, like from where I could have like a conscious thought. I was like, I love music, I wanna do this. So I started like writing songs at a very young age but I couldn't really play any instruments till I was probably 10 and then I started playing piano um and that's where I fell in love and that's kind of my main instrument even now is piano mm -hmm. and from there I've been able to learn more so I was kind of like inherently like a singer my parents weren't musicians my mom sings a little bit and but they definitely loved music so we were always listening to music growing up and I grew up in a big family of like four so and I was also homeschooled, so there was this, like, we were home all the time, always listening to music. My my dad loved, like, 80s music, so that was pretty much the majority of what we listened to 
like it seat. like new wave like what yeah you... like um every huge michael jackson fan but then like okay. i mean you name it like flock of seagulls we were listening to um <laughs> uh, just like any 80s band in existence was being played um and that was really cool i feel like i really enjoyed that music era and i still do like i listen to it and then i find inspiration in it but like that was definitely like the younger years like I'm not, I wasn't forced to listen to it, but it was just what was being played all the time. That's, that's amazing. Um, yeah, my, my parents are older than yours, I think. And I think like anything recorded after 1972 for them just doesn't the exist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, and then, so what were you listening to in high school? High school. So high school, I kind of like verged into like my own music. So I started listening to uh, kind of just an array of music like punk music like definitely my chemical romance and any like rock band i could listen to i loved paramore which was kind of like pop mixed with rock and kind of started going through there um it was kind of just all over the place i feel like it was either going to be like rock pop or even like folky music more like singer songwriter vibe so it, really just anything that would pique my interest I think like the underlining thing that always like appealed to me was if something had like a catchy melody so like that's why I loved My Chemical Romance or 30 Seconds to Mars because even though they were like rock music it was incredibly like their melodies would get like stuck in my head so that's I guess where like my love for pop music kind of started even though it's kind of mixed in with all the different genres it was still like the poppiest of the genres <laughs> so not to digress but i do have a uh -huh. 30 seconds to mars story Ooh, I'm um, so ready. i saw <laughs> i saw them perform when i was in college this was in tucson at an old theater you know one of those old movie houses that had been converted into a concert venue called the rialto and i can't remember That's if awesome. they had their own show or if they were opening they might have been opening for jimmy world if that makes any sense but i'm not it sure does. but anyway but okay. yeah, it's weird to think of them not, like being the smaller band in that scenario, right. but yeah. And, and the whole time I'm watching them, I'm just thinking that's, that's Jared Leto. That's, that's Jordan Catalano from my so-called life, which I had watched like when it actually aired. That's crazy. Yeah. And, so was and the band not like, like where, where were they at in their career at that point? I think, I feel like it was pretty new. Like I, I hadn't really heard of them, which makes me think they must've been opening because I, I, I doubt that I would have bought tickets to just their concert without yeah. um at that point i mean this is like really early 2000s so oh, maybe okay, you would cool. uh, um so so after the show i was told that they were signing autographs and you could buy their cd and i was like well, i don't really want to buy their cd but i have this program so i got in line and it's finally my turn to see jared leto and i'm like I loved you as Jordan Catalano and I handed him like my, my paper program to sign. And he just looked at me and like handed it back. And he was just so insulted. Like he, like he He's didn't like, want anybody. Musician. Right. I'm a musician now. Like didn't want anybody to ever bring that up again. That's and so on top sad. of that, I did, I didn't want to fork over like 1499 for his CD either. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm sure he it, was really it was really disappointing. <laughs> it was disappointing. Um, yeah. He <laughs> was very compelling in that in that show, but and then um, you went and talked to him, and it was terrible. It was terrible. 
And and the band wasn't even that good. Okay, so yeah. so that take that, Jared Leto. Yeah, um, take that. <laughs> right. Okay, so then let's talk a little bit about your music. You've released two singles so far, and you're a relatively new recording artist, right? Like you, you. I see. I feel like I read somewhere that you kind of started in 2019. Yeah. So like this project, like the solo project, I launched in August. Um, so of last year. So I mean, it, it hasn't even been a full year of doing solo work. Um, so I, but before that, I was doing like my own bands and like band stuff. Yeah. Them. Yeah. So this is just kind of like the first time I've, you know, gone out on my own, and I've really enjoyed it. it it's been something I've wanted to do for a while. So I started working on it um, in January 2019. I started okay. like going in the studio and like kind of writing separate songs for this project, and then like I said, like we moved up here and we launched the project and I kind of just, I, I wanted a project that I could like travel with and I could go to different places and experience different cultures. And if I needed to, I wouldn't have to have a full band with me and I could just play like stripped down shows as well. So it, it was kind of this like passion project too. Cause I, I love writing music. Like it's my favorite thing. So like just being able to like go out and perform music in front of people. I mean, like that's the dream. And, you know, the more people you have involved with that, as far as like the core of the band, it kind of gets hard to work around people's schedules or make sure everyone's on the same page. So it, the natural response was just like doing it on my own. And like, that means I can go wherever and play music whenever I want. Right. Right. Um, I yeah. I still play with a big band on stage, but you know, I can also play my stripped down shows and be proud of those at the same yeah and you don't have to deal with someone being like i hate your second verse you need to rewrite it and yeah oh yeah yeah or that that lick is terrible <laughs> i have a better idea yeah you know and yeah. and i say that and I do, I do enjoy having like i guess a conversation about music so i'm not like egotistical to the to the sense of like you can't not like what i what i write or anything like that but i, I guess just the right person critiquing it you know like i i worked on worked on this project with a producer and mixer in Nashville named Seth Ernest and like his opinion on things I love like you can say whatever and I'm just like all for it but then like right. I guess it depends on the demeanor of the person you're talking to and if they come in and they're like you really need to do something different here <laughs> well yeah and whether you trust their judgment and whether you guys are on the same page as far as what sounds good and what you know what, yeah what you like um so let's hear a little of uh where did all my friends go awesome. and then we can discuss checking in the cemeteries awful pale obituaries will someone buy me coffee cause i feel dead where did all my friends go? Where did all my friends go? Does anybody out there feel the same? Where did all my friends go? Where did all my friends go? Does anybody out there feel the same? So... First of all, great title. 
I, I, I feel like you were walking along one day and you're like, where did my friends go? Like, that would be a great song. That. <laughs> is, is that what happened? <laughs> kind of. Yeah. I, I, I wanted to like make a song that was like, so just on the head, like it just says it like, that's the idea. It's like, where did all my friends go? Like no middle ground to think right. what the song means. It's just like, where did all my friends go? And I hadn't really, really written like a song that was like so blatantly saying something like, like you can't read into it. There's no like allegory. It's just like, where'd all my friends go? It's kind of sad. Like, uh, yeah. Where'd they go? Um, and I definitely think I wanted to write, cause like I, I have like a lot of great friends. So it was kind of weird, like releasing this song. Cause like everyone was like, LOL. Like I'm not, <laughs> like, like, I'm not here. What happened to me? Like, my chop liver. The time. Right. Um, but it was more of like the idea of like loneliness and, you know, growing apart from people that you may have been friends with and just like, wow, like where'd all my friends go? And even more in- introspective and being like, am I the cause of losing these friends? Am I just all over the place and annoying? No. <laughs> yeah. So I'd love to hear a little bit about the production of this song because yeah. you have like so many different iterations of the chorus and you're constantly adding all these textural elements like that you could never become bored with this song as you're listening to you're like, Oh, this, Oh, Oh, it just keeps building and there's new things happening. So I, I'd like to know a, how long it took to mm-hmm. create this song and be like what the process was like. And if this becomes like a mini episode of song exploder, I don't know if you're familiar oh, with I that podcast. Yeah, that, that's fine. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. So um, I wrote the song on a ukulele, which is like, Whoa, I know like it's completely different. Um, so I wrote it, I was like, I, I was kind of just like going around with like the lyrics and coming up with ideas and kind of thinking of what we wanted to do. So this one was definitely like very, I, I guess like Seth and I working together, like Seth was super inspirational on this song. So when we got in the studio, we started like messing around with ideas and we kind of originally was going more with a, a jumpy vibe, like where did all my friends go? and kind of like more like fun and energetic and we just hit there was like a on the chorus it hits with like a a huge synth pad and it just like opens up and i am like 90 percent sure we just like it was random like it was an accident like we just hit a key and it was loaded in a program and it was just like boom and just exploded and we were like this song needs to be just like we can do whatever whatever we want with it because it's weird making pop music because you want it to be like clean and yeah to fit everything so we had to create like an ethereal sounding song that explodes and it feels open while also like keeping it like you know nailed down so as we were going through like the intro kind of was last so that was what we we kind of added at the very end so we the verse one we kind of just want it to be empty and just to mostly feel like a voice like talking um, as we work through there, we open up into the chorus. And there's a few, like, cool little parts. Like, on verse 2, there's, um, like, the last line is, because I feel dead. And it's, like, kind of leading into the next chorus. So we added in this, like, um, hot heartbeat monitor in the background, just, like, kind of ending. Oh, I, yes, I noticed that. It's, like, beep, yeah, beep, or whatever it like, is. Yeah. And I love that. Like, as far as, like, I'm a big samples guy like I love messing with samples and just like putting them into music so anything I can do that's like 
a call to the lyrics but it's also a you know a sample so like that where it was like oh dead heartbeat monitor anything i want to do it like i i literally would like if i could just every word add in some type of sample that matched <laughs> with it i probably would um and then one of my favorite parts production wise on where all my friends go is there's actually in the bridge where it says i thought the plane was going to crash into the city and it's like this more aggressive like it's just like in your face part there's a sample in the background which is just like <laughs> I, I guess i can't do it it's like this like voice going like dunna, 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 and it keeps going and it was actually like this person's person i knew their daughter like i i just sampled like her voice because it was like kind of sweet sounding like she just like kind of talked a little bit of a like a, a a lisp or something so it's cute and i sampled it and then brought it in and then played it and it was like super cool so it's in the background of that and it's a wow. huge part of the percussion but like i mean i mean no one thinks that like oh that's just a girl's voice but i i love anything i can do to like incorporate like organic sounds into the mm -hmm. i love because i feel like it makes it feel more inviting and feel like you're a part of it i guess um and yeah we we had a lot of fun with this song i think the overall production on this one was knocked out like probably in two days and then we wow. vocals for it but seth and i have a lot of good like synergy a lot of good energy and this project was really neat because we didn't bring in any session players so it was just him and i on everything um which feels really good and that was like something i was really proud of is like not bringing in anyone just for the start of this project like i love working with people i just didn't i wanted it to be like close to home and to feel mm -hmm. personal so when we were together it was like spending like whole days just working on things so we'd spend a day working on where'd all my friends go and then stuff like there was little things we'd add in over time but i'll say the overall ideas for most of the songs were done in like a day wow okay and then your other single is tired of feeling this way so let's hear a little of that it's not your fault some people never understand that the words that they say can get lodged inside our brains and we're tired of feeling this way when you can't cope, you'll fight it When you break down, there's violence When you speak up, there's silence But either way, you're dying So you can't deny it this time I can't take you in The difference even between where'd all my friends go and tired of feeling this way is with where'd all my friends go it sounds sad musically and it also is sad lyrically and then for tired of feeling this way it's kind of the opposite it's 
sounds happy and fun, but then like the lyrics are actually sad and probably even more personal than the lyrics for where did all my friends go. So it's this weird contrast of like, you can listen to tired of feeling this way and it feels happy and you're just having a good time. But then like some of the lyrics are like genuinely like sad, but I think it's like a sad, hopeful type vibe. Like, yeah, we're all tired of feeling this way. <laughs> so what was the genesis of that song? I'm tired of feeling this way. Uh, like, What were you going through at the time? Um, so that was like the first song I wrote for this project. Um, so it felt very like personal. I guess at the time I was like kind of transitioning out of the band I was in, like in the process. So there was a lot going on with that. I was like super busy with like even just playing gigs with people. And I just felt exhausted and not exactly where I wanted to be. So like this whole project definitely was like it was like therapeutic. Like I needed it. Like that's what I was going for. That's what I was like aiming for. So this song was one mixed with like the feelings that I was feeling about like just needing change and needing like something that gave me energy and made me feel alive. And then also I was like, at the time I was teaching. So I would, um, I would teach at school of rock, which is like a music school. They have them up here as well. And I had a lot of students and a lot of the times like our lessons would be more like uh, not, not actual therapy, but like it would get kind of like emotional. Like they would be like, Oh, this is happening. And then they would open up and it was like a, a super sweet time. I just remember feeling like a mix of emotions. Like I'm feeling all this in my personal life. And then I'm around all these kids who are also like experiencing all these like sad things, whether it be like deaths in the family or like loss of friendships and I guess everything together, just like I wanted to create something that was like, we're tired of feeling this way. And like, that's okay, I guess. Like, it's like every, more of just like everyone's feeling this like lost and fear. And it's okay that that's happening because everyone's kind of feeling it together. So it was, wasn't so much personal as it was like a communal type of thing? Yeah, it's weird for me. And I will say like, all my every song I write like for anything is like the actual like emotions tied in like it could be like verse one is about one thing for me and then verse two is about something about someone else or the chorus is about you know something that happened to me long time ago like I kind of just like write like with what I'm feeling so like if I write a song over a period of a day or two like I could be feeling multiple different things and I kind of just like feed into that energy and let it inspire me how it will. And I like to not have too many um, boundaries with writing, especially like I try to have boundaries with like the production and the music to keep it pop and clean. But lyrically, I just want to like write about what I'm actually feeling personally and like what I'm seeing other people feel. And I'm pretty empathetic. So like, um, I just like pick up on everyone else's emotions. So it's kind of like if someone around me, like my wife's feeling sad, like I'm probably going to write about that in the same way I'd write about my own personal feelings. So it's not this, yeah, it, it sounds like it's not this linear thing of like, okay, I'm going to write about that one time yeah. when I was 19 and this happened, then this happened, then <laughs> this happened. I couldn't do it. I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's me just having like a scattered mind where I can't concentrate on things, but like, I just write about what I'm feeling. And then like, if I'm inspired, I just write about it and it's there. Mm-hmm. And like, it kind of just like comes out like I kind of feel like a lot of the inspiration just like comes to me 
and then I put it out and then I wait for the next thing to come. And it's like just the process that for some reason works for me right now, but it's not as I guess straightforward as me sitting down being like today I write a number one hit. Like I, I've never, <laughs> right. yeah, I've never thought about that. Yeah. It doesn't seem like a good way to go. Yeah. I'm ex- sure expectations that, like, <laughs> wise. And yeah, just like yeah. to get the creative juices flowing. Um, okay. So let's talk about your top five tracks. Yes. Your first is fireflies by owl city, <laughs> yeah. uh, which you said you fell in love with when you were 14. So yeah. tell us a little about that. Like, how did you first hear the song and what was your reaction? So this was, I mean, earlier stages of the internet. So I was on Facebook. It was just at the point where it was like the internet was not like, you couldn't just like find new music easily. And it was just like, if your friends shared it, you'd see it. So one of my friends, like, I guess she was just way ahead of the curve on fireflies this this was before it was on the radio she like shared it and i remember clicking on that music video and this was probably my first other than 80s music like my first like segue into electronica and i just fell in love like no lie like head over heels i was like i love this music like this is my favorite music ever and became obsessed like i listened to al city and saw him live and it was like as much as I could I would see him um and it it just became this like safety I guess like his music was I mean it's even a little like silly and whimsical and it just felt like a place I could listen and there was nothing like dangerous in the world like it was just there um so that was that was huge I mean to this day I like still love them like it's and like a lot of people like I like all of my friends and my wife like all if I'm in the car I'll just try to put on Al City just now it's like this ongoing joke because like no one else is really like actively I mean he does have like a fan base still but like the majority of the people like I'm guessing you don't get in your car and throw on Al City um I mean every once in a while yeah (laughs) the mood strikes me um so for me, it's like, I love his music to this day. And it was like a huge inspiration writing because his music is, it, it's not talking about anything, but it's talking about anything, if that makes sense. So it's not mm-hmm. talking about like a specific event or anything that happened, but you can like pull that into your own life and like view it and make it what you want to, to fit your own emotions in your own life. Okay. You also selected sometime around midnight by the airborne toxic event. Um, and this song kind of has a cinematic opening. That's almost a little bit like your, where did all my friends go? True. Um, I never thought about that as a, as a side note, but what drew you, yeah. What drew you to this song? Um, this song writing and the way that it like walks through actual, it's like a story the entire time. So it starts out in the sky and he's like going through and he's seeing this girl he hasn't seen in a long time and lyrically it can make you feel the craziest emotions like I've never experienced that specific thing he was talking about where he like basically walked into a bar saw somebody and then left and he was drunk that was like literally all it was but he said it in such a beautiful way that it it just hit me so heavy and like I hadn't even experienced it it was just like 
I was there with him. So that to me, like, I, I, I guess I felt the power of music and like how you can write a song and make people feel things that they've never even experienced before. Um, I think it's an absolutely beautiful song. Um, and stayed like my one of my favorites to this day. And I remember it came on is when Pandora was big and it came up on Pandora. And I was just like, what, what is this? Like, it's so good. And I remember just listening to it on repeat and it just made me feel this crazy emotion. I'd never, never felt before through music. So it was like, kind of like eye opening. I was like, wow, I can really like, tell people like this is what i'm feeling and they can feel it with me wherever they are like and it's like the beauty of music it's like an experience you get to feel with other people yeah it's transportative yeah okay your third selection was such great heights by the postal service um who's just i was gonna say dismemberment disbandment um has got to be like one of the biggest losses oh musically yeah for music period like it's so upsetting but anyway um i think you said that you love this song because you regard ben gibbard as one of the best songwriters or the best songwriter so i'm curious probably why you picked this song and and didn't go with like a death cab right um i think it was just like the era like and i was thinking of like tracks that like kind of formed my my thought process on music um so i listened to postal service before i listened to death cab for cutie so i knew I knew Ben Gibbard as Postal Service and that he had another band named Death Cab. I eventually fell in love with Death Cab and like lyrically, those are some of the best songs are um, all the songs he had with Death Cab. Um, I've seen Death Cab live a few times. I, I, I love it. But like at the time I was like heavy into electronic music and that's what's like kind of like framed my love for production and everything. So when this, this is just another one of those songs and even though it's like, I adore that album. Like if I could choose one album, that's like my all time favorite album, it'd be give up by the postal service. So I was just like, what song is kind of like the, you know, the, the main song from that, like what song like encompasses everything. Um, and I just remember hearing it and just feeling in love. Like it was like this, uh, it, it was amazing. And started listening through there and it was kind of comparative to like, Al City, but it felt more serious and more like, like the difference was like Al City was talking about all these things that didn't actually happen. Like they were just like stories that he was telling. And then when I'd listen to the postal service, I felt like he was talking about real life, if that makes sense in mm. his own way. So, and that, that kind of got me into Ben Gibbard, which I fell in love with. And it was just, it's amazing. Like I, the production's huge. There's a, a Jimmy's the guy who did most of the production for this. And I, I didn't know too much about the like, genesis of the band when I was listening to them or like even them breaking up. But like from what I've read, like post them breaking up is like, they even like, no one was really listening to the music while it was happening while they were making it. So they, hmm. like, they didn't do tours. Like it didn't get renowned for like, I think another three or four years after they had already like Ben was already touring with death cab. And it was like, they didn't think it was going to go anywhere. It's just kind of a side project. And then it became this like renowned thing that people are like postal services. 
amazing. Uh, but I think they were kind of like, we'll just, we'll just leave it. Like this album's iconic. Like let's not mess with it and just like. Right. So it's only downhill from here. So let's just. Yeah. I don't yeah. know how they would have topped it, you know. So. Right. Um, okay. Your fourth song is Violet Hill by Coldplay. Yeah. Um, off the same album with Viva La Vida, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So what, what, what made you pick this song, which is, I think, a little lesser known than that one? Yeah, so I mean, I obviously love Viva La Vida, um, and I love all the songs of this album, and I'm a huge Coldplay fan, so I mean, any song would work. And I, this was a difficult one to choose. Like, I'm, I'm like, what song was like most important to me? Um, and I remember listening to this song, and this was definitely more in me getting more into a little bit more rocky, but it still had like pop influences. And I was heavily inspired by like the branding for this entire project. So like in this whole like era of their music, that's when they were dressing up more in their like, um, like it's almost like a, a marching outfit or like mm-hmm. it. And it just felt like I was experiencing uh, and how experiencing their music exactly how they intended for it to be experienced. Like they were creating the vibe they were creating the music to match exactly what it was. So they kind of set up this like image immediately when you were listening to it. And like that music video for Violet Hill is like crazy. And like, it it made you feel what I think like Chris Martin and the band, like, and like the people involved with it, like desired for you to feel like there was no middle ground. It wasn't like, like here's music and you interpret it. However, it was like, this is a concept album. Right. And that song to me was like, just like this, this point in the album that felt like deep. Like I felt like they were talking about something so meaningful. And I, I, I feel like there's few albums that like I could listen to like front and back and be like, this is like art. And it's also easy to listen to. And they were able to do that with this song and this album and create something that's like just out of this world. So uh, there's like a lot of like with Coldplay fans, like a debate on like, what's the best Coldplay album. But for me, I love, I love all their albums. And this one's just like, hits me in such a special way. I, I love this song. It makes me feel happy and sad at the same time and then when i watch the video and see the branding and the image they created for this specific album it, it's just inspiring beyond anything yeah do you feel like the concept album is a thing of the past at this point with our singles culture <laughs> I, yeah i don't want it to be like that's like huge desire is to do a concept album like i feel like it's all I want to do is like make concepts because it just feels like you can put more time into it and create something so special. So I do think in the culture right now, like singles are, and like, that's even what I'm navigating with my own music is like, I'm just slowly putting out singles right now. Cause I'm kind of figuring out the best way to navigate this culture because everyone can get music from anywhere at any time. And to stay remotely relevant, you have to like keep releasing songs. So if you release a whole concept album and that took you a year and a half, two years to like actually get the way you wanted and you put it out and then people are done with it in three months, it's, that could be discouraging, right? Um, so I do think right now we're in a weird 
era where it's like everyone just wants content as quick as possible. But I do think that people get tired of that. So like there's going to be people nowadays, like now that will start releasing more concept albums and it may take a little bit to like become a thing that people love, but they'll like pave the way as it goes and it'll become big again, kind of like anything. Um, but I definitely think right now, like I've, there's very few people I've seen releasing like explicit concept albums, like, uh, like the weekend, I think releases albums that he has like a concept behind and he sticks with it, but it's also pop music. There's like a few people doing it, but like secretly, like not telling anyone like there's a concept album, but you don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I feel like there's an argument to be made that you don't have to be relevant all the time. You know, yeah. like put a, put a bunch of time into a project, create something great, put it out there. And maybe people talk about it for a little while. And then they stop talking about it for a little, and that's fine because now you're moving on to something else. You don't have to be, you know, Ariana Grande, like constantly, like, right. uh, on the front of the magazine, whatever. Uh, okay, so your last song is Same Old Lang Syne. Um, and I have to tell you, I've been waiting for someone to bring up Dan Fogelberg on yeah. Formative Tracks. So I feel good. like he's so great, and nobody ever talks about him. Yeah, I don't, actually, I'm, I'm glad that you love him because I was like, I don't know too many people that like Dan Fogelberg. Like, well, so you uh, yeah, found. I'm glad. <laughs> uh, I mean, leader of the band, right? Like the first time I heard that, I'm like, oh my god! And then yeah. missing you. Yeah, it's also so amazing. great. Um, running with the running for the run for the roses. Um, mm-hmm. So good. He's just prolific. Like an amazing yeah. songwriter and, and no one's ever like name dropping dan fogelberg yeah like he, it's like he didn't exist yeah and he did he did exist. right 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 <laughs> we're here to say it today dan <laughs> we're fogelberg saying it today establishing exists. this right now um, um yeah so so uh why did this song make your top five um so i was trying to think and like a lot of like i was trying to think of a song that would kind of be like my like my dad and i listened to a ton of music growing up and Dan Fogelberg was his favorite artist. And so we listened to it so much. And it was definitely like the genesis of loving writing, I guess. And his voice is so soft and it's inviting. Um, so I, I, I had trouble figuring out. I, I thought about doing Leader of the Band because that was about his dad. And I was like, oh, what song is like, like which one of his songs really hits me in that way? And then Same Old Lang Syne, it's just like, beautiful and it's like so for me i was like thinking okay what song really encompasses that feeling of that era in my life and it's this one um it's another story driven song which i love so it walks through the story of you know him meeting an old lover and then melodically it's a pop song like i don't think there's any way around it it's super catchy and it like invites you in um and like whenever I listen to Dan Fogelberg, it kind of reminds me of my dad. And it's like this, um, I don't know, this like blast to the past. <laughs> yeah, like a little sentimental. Yeah, super sentimental. And, you know, I like to, like, I'm thankful for everything in life that happens. So it's like, if I didn't listen to all that music growing up and fall in love with it, and all these like, like Dan Fogelberg, who's an amazing songwriter. And like, I'm thankful, like my dad played that music for me even like because like that definitely like shaped who I am and who I'm like proud to be as a writer like I love writing music so this is like 
a huge song t- to me because I feel like, you know, it shaped who I am and like mm-hmm. who I like desire to be. Not like I want to be Dan Fogelberg, but well, you might. I I'll take it if I can be him. <laughs> not, uh, but he was so inspiring at the time, even as like a super. Because I mean, I probably started listening. I mean, like six or seven was like this song. So like I remember listening to it on a record player in our upstairs attic. Um, like we were probably cleaning or something, and just being like, mm-hmm. Like I feel this. I feel this emotion, which I'm guessing a six-year-old didn't understand the emotions of seeing your ex-lover in the grocery store. But <laughs> probably not that one. Yeah, but I did feel that emotion. So it's like it's just another example of experiencing something through music that. I hadn't actually experienced in real life. So it was like kind of telling, I was like, okay, like there's something special and powerful about music that I can't even define. And this song was just like something that kind of like led me down that path of discovering music and falling in love with it and becoming obsessed with it. And just, I guess, becoming more of me, so. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Elijah. It's been great having you here. Thank you for having me. It's been super fun. Um, And how can the listeners find what you're up to online? Yeah. So um, my website's Elijah-Cruz.com because I guess there's somebody with the Elijah Cruz domain somewhere. Uh, It might be me. I'm still trying to figure it out. Probably Uh, should figure that out. Yeah. Um, So you can go to just my website or I have Instagram, which is Elijah Cruz Music. Facebook's Elijah Cruz Music. All my music's up on Spotify, so you can just type in Elijah Cruz. And then you're working on a, a 24-track concept album for 2021, yeah. too. So <laughs> yeah. as of today, I'm launching my – you know what? I'm not releasing an EP, 24 tracks. <laughs> it's a concept. I don't know the concept yet, but it's going to be But you'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, well, thank you to our listeners. And please check out archived episodes in Apple Podcasts and follow us on social media. Keep your eye out for the next episode of Formative Tracks, where we sit down with another DC area musician to talk about the top five songs that made them who they are. <laughs> <laughs>